We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for everybody here at Blue Wire. Joining me tonight is the man, the myth, the legend, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. I got to gas yeah, you up, bro. What's going on, man? Oh, man, I'm chilling. I, I was just telling my wife, I was like, man, I, my whole life, I feel like it's just like one big podcast. <laughs> Dude, it, it, I mean, it, it It might be. Yeah, it's it's one, one after – or – I don't want to say it's a podcast after another, but, like, if I'm not doing a podcast, like, um, either training athletes, if I'm not training athletes, like, I'm working on my uh, something, you know, some content for my Patreon account. So, I mean, it's all surrounded about the same things. Things I love, I'm passionate about, I'm obsessed about. So, it's not an issue or anything, but, yeah. <laughs> right, right. No, I mean, that's – I understand that. It, but there are times when, like, especially when you and I are going at it during the season – and we're potting like four times a week, and then you have everything else going on that you have. Like I, I just I, sometimes I think like, man, Croc just has to be on that microphone like ten hours a day, you know, like or at least it must seem like it. And then obviously you got all your stuff going at Rise Athletics, so it's just football has consumed you, my friend. It has consumed me my entire life, so <laughs> I'll be all right. 
Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, you wouldn't have gotten to the level you are if if you didn't just love it, you know, with your heart and True. soul. True. Trying so. You'd be surprised so. though. You know, you know. Fun fact: when, when I was in the NFL, um, during there was a all right. So during like OTAs, right when all the after all the rookies, the other rookies uh, reported. I, I was a I was a rookie, but I re I was like a rookie slash veteran because of how I came in from the arena league. So I was, I reported with the rest of the veterans. Um, but when the rookies got there, they had this thing where it was like a two hour class, uh, four, four days a week where you like, um, you, you just did something like, I mean, like you, you were, you were there two hours, you were learning something, whether it was about like finances or how to deal with the law um, how to deal with child support, like just all kind of like anything that you would come across in the life of being an athlete, like they went over. It was like a basically like a, a crash course on life and decision making. All right. And um, but they also sometimes they would do like these little competitions or whatever with like the uh, special teams coordinator and whatnot. And they we would play like these little trivia games. And one thing I noticed, these there are a lot of these dudes that don't know anything about football a lot of these dudes like they don't know anything about football they they couldn't or NFL ball like they couldn't tell you what team is in what division or conference or you know former players like they don't know any of that stuff they just play the game so I was obsessed to a different level and it was weird because uh, Tim McDonald was my you know my defensive back coach and you know I grew up watching Tim McDonald play uh, for the 49ers but these other dudes, they couldn't tell you who the hell Tim McDonald was. <laughs> <You know? laughs> now, how many? Let's get. Let's say percentage wise, you can hear me, right? Croc, can you hear me? Can y'all hear me in the chat? Weird. I can't. I can't hear anybody. Okay, that's weird. All right. I will. Uh, I will. I'll, I'll get it worked out. So, if you haven't caught on already, we are on the locker room app. So we're still kind of working out the kinks as far as the podcast goes. Um, Croc, what I was going to ask you, if you're, as long as I'm not just talking over you right now, because like I said, for some reason, all the audio is like peace for me being able to hear somebody. How many people would you say that make it all the way to the league, just in your experience? How many people would would you say? Oh, looks like Croc's having the same problem right now. No, I can hear you. Oh, you can hear me now. Oh, okay. I've been here. I heard you the whole time. Oh, but I couldn't hear you. So, hey, man, but it's good to hear your voice again, bro. All right. So I was just going to say, how many people that get into the league do you think genuinely get there because they absolutely just eat, sleep, and breathe football? <sighs> um, I, I'd i say it's 50-50. I think there are really? a lot of guys that make it because they're just extremely talented and they've just been good at football their whole life, but not so much that they just love it like that. That's, see, that's a higher percentage than I would have guessed. Yeah, I'd say it's 50-50. Like, just guys that just have, like, this intense passion for the game and guys are just like, well, I'm hella good, so it's like, <laughs> you know, like this is what I'm supposed to be doing, so I'll do it, you know? Right. Okay. Well, that's an interesting question. But anyways – Let's get rolling. You want to talk some 49ers and quarterbacks and stuff? Yes, sir. Okay, let's do it. Let's talk them. All right, so we do have speaker requests. We do have speaker requests. Before we get to the speaker requests, let's kind of set the table, right? Because we don't, you know, we'll talk, we will talk, Darnold, Jarn. We will get there, okay? We will get there. Um, but 
the kind of the first thing I wanted to mention is one of the first things we heard about kind of this week rolling into as free agency gets closer is that the Patriots, the New England Patriots, plan A, and this was written by a Patriots beat writer, um, their plan A is Jimmy Garoppolo, the current 49ers quarterback. And from a New England standpoint, that makes a lot of sense. There's a quarterback out there in comparison to the rest of the league is not being paid a crazy amount. There's a starter for a starting quarterback who the New England Patriots probably have a pretty high opinion of who happens to know the entire Bill Belichick playbook and probably still remembers it like the back of his hand, given that was his entrance to the league. So obviously this quarterback is still on the 49ers roster, but here's the Patriots plan A. What are just some of the things that come to your head, Crocker, when you think of the Jimmy Garoppolo is the Patriots plan A? Take him. (laughs) That was the first thing that came to my mind. And again, I don't want to come off as if I don't like Jimmy. I just look at it from the standpoint of, man, like, I want to be able to build. Everybody talks about a Super Bowl window and keeping a roster together. Like, that's the biggest part about a Super Bowl window is being able to, like, keep the good players on the team. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo, who is uh, a very serviceable piece, obviously, right, they they win a good amount of games with him. But I don't think he's ever been the reason outside of one or two games, right? Like, when you look at the Saints game, he was a, he was a big reason in that game. Uh, when you look at maybe the Rams uh, versus the 49ers, the uh, – the, uh, and I'm talking about 2019 games now in that Super Bowl run. When you, when you look at that, the second Rams game where he made those two big uh, third and 16 throws, like, that was big time. Even though he threw two picks that game, but – you know, like, and the 49ers also had pick six, uh, by, uh, by, uh, 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 Fred Warner. But just in general, you know, he, he's very serviceable. Like, he, he's solid. So it's like, man, like, can I just find serviceable? Can I find solid? Like, not, I'm not talking about, uh, Bethard or Mullins. Like, you know, somebody solid, good. And I think, you know, just from that standpoint, shoot, like, all right, y'all want to give us draft capital for Jimmy Garoppolo, and now that just gives us extra incentive to find somebody that is really good. But yeah, I just don't think that you can do that until draft day because I need to find out who I'm who I'm getting to replace him. Right, that, and that would be my next question. And and if you're if you got a speaker request, and we're about to start getting to those, um, that would be my next question: is if the if the Patriots offer, let's say they offer the 49ers what the 49ers gave to get Jimmy Garoppolo in the first place, which is a second round pick. The Patriots offer that. I'm assuming that would that would that would do it for the 49ers. I'm assuming it would. Um, yeah. and I'm assuming they would feel like that's appropriate compensation. Uh, the timing is what would be the interesting question mark for me. Like, do can they can they even entertain that before the draft? Do they have to wait until the end of the first round and when they when they know whether or not they got their guy? I mean, it's just kind of like that's that's a bold move to do. And the last thing that the 49ers should do is trade Jimmy Garoppolo away with no answer, like no replacement. And you're just kind of like, do we sign Andy Dalton? What do we do? do we yeah, Andy? see, nah. It, it, it would have to be a serviceable starter. What, what's up with, like, Mitchell Trubisky? And I'm not saying he's like, you know – I just think if, if if you can get somebody like him for the low and you draft a quarterback that you really like, like the goal is to get that quarterback that you just drafted, 
ready to play. And if you could do something like that, you know, I, I you know, and you have to get rid of Garoppolo, I, I would be on board with that. Now, obviously, there is some risk risk to that, but I think there's just as much risk to that as there is, you know, sticking with Jimmy Garoppolo, who you know takes up more of your cap space and has been injured two out of the last three years. I like Jimmy. And I think if he hadn't been hurt so much, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. I just can't trust him. And I think, you know, like being able to get somebody to play and kind of feel what he did is probably just as much of a chance as him getting hurt. So it kind of – he puts the 49ers in a really weird, uh, awkward uh, situation. He does because it, it puts more pressure on the 49ers organization, meaning Shanahan and Lynch. Because if they're going to roll, if they're going to pass up other opportunities, which they've done in the past, which everybody does, I'm not holding them to the fire for that. But if they're going to pass up other opportunities, especially with pick number 12, especially with a lot of draft picks that they could use to trade up to get a guy, if they're going to pass up all that in favor of Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt again, that's on Lynch and Shanahan. That that's not on Garoppolo. I mean, yeah, it's his it's his problem, but he's shown you that this is kind of his thing. If it were to happen again, it would be it would be undeniable. So at this point, but that's not even the worst. That's not even the worst case situation. The worst case scenario is Jimmy kind of be average but solid, and the 49ers reach the and he and he takes you out of range. Card. Yeah, it, yeah, he kind of takes you out of range. And that's the thing right. right now too, like that we've kind of touched on is 49ers are in striking range to be able to get a quarterback with that type of talent, whereas. I think even if Jimmy Garoppolo plays all 16 games, I, I, I definitely think the 49ers will do well. Will he take them over the top? I don't know about that, especially with them losing players. But now you're kind of in the more of a position to where you don't, you're not going to have that high draft slot to maybe be able to acquire a more talented quarterback in the draft. So that's that's one way to look at it too. Then you're really stuck with him. And now you he'd be going into his final year of his contract and are you going to resign him? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's a whole other world of problems. Right. That's the biggest thing with me. And that's what's if, if the 49ers had like pick 15 or higher, not even 15, if they had like 17 or 18 or higher, then I wouldn't really be having these quarterback talks as much. I don't think we would be. But the fact that there are 12 and can get inside the top 10 and maybe even inside the top like seven fairly easily to get a quarterback, that's what makes the conversation so easy to have. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. so let's get to our let's get to our first speaker request. This is Malik. Hopefully I said that right. It, it could be Malik. You correct me because I have a thing. I got to get people's names right. I feel like it's disrespectful not to. So you are officially on the stage, my friend. What you got? Uh, no, it's it's Malik. You were correct on that. So I, I understand what everybody's saying about Jimmy. But if if Jimmy – why isn't the answer to keep Jimmy and draft a guy at 12 or move up a couple spots and let the kid redshirt the first year and then roll the ball out and see what the competition will be like the next year? I mean, I I I, I don't know what how Kyle feels about um, Trey Lance. I don't know how he feels about Wilson. I don't know how he feels about any of the other quarterbacks, but – why not identify a guy, do a deep dive, identify a guy, draft him, and then let Jimmy play this year, redshirt the kid, and then see what happens the year after. And, and I, I, I think, yeah, go ahead. I think that's the ahead. most, yeah, I, I think that's the most ideal scenario for Kyle, like, and for any quarterback coming in. I, I think, like, if I just have one way where I would just be like, man, this is the best way to do it, 
I think it's that way. I think the issue is with that, you know, Garoppolo's still taking up, even though it's not a whole lot of starting money, but $27 million that could be freed up to make the rest of the roster better for even a rookie that would come in and have to play. And we have seen a guy like, you know, RG3 come in, play well, uh, Washington football team go to the playoffs. You know, I think you, again, it's definitely risky, but I just, you know, you want to put as good of a team around a rookie quarterback as possible and getting rid of Garoppolo helps that. Now, again, that's not the ideal. The ideal uh, way to do it would be like what you said, Malik. It would be keep Garoppolo. There's no rush for the rookie to have to play right away. He can sit. He can learn. And you can go about it more like uh, like Kansas City did with – with uh, yeah, Alex Smith oh. and Patrick Mahomes. So that is the more ideal situation. Uh, but you know, from a cap standpoint, freeing up that money, man, like that would mean a lot of players that the 49ers can add that are really good and help really extend that Super Bowl window. And the 49ers make another run. So I don't think either way is kind of wrong, but definitely one way is riskier than the other. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with both you guys. I think in, in an ideal world, the 49ers get to, you know, they, they already right now have the money to re-sign somebody like Trent Williams. Whether or not they feel like paying the amount of money he's going to command, that's another story. So they already have enough money to sign, re-sign Trent Williams. And if they can keep Jimmy Garoppolo and then let that, like you said, let that quarterback redshirt and, and shoot, even compete with Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe even push him a little bit further than he's used to being pers- pushed by the likes of Mullins and Bethard, which aren't, let's be real, they're not pushing anybody. So, you know, and then that guy gets to come in in year two in an ideal situation after what would have had to have been a pretty successful season uh, for that guy not to come in in year one. And that's, that's all, to me, that's always the best idea. If you, I don't care if you're drafting a quarterback one overall. If you have a solid guy that you can leave in there so that guy gets to chill and redshirt and learn and start developing to the speed of the game, then that's it for me, man. That's it for me. Malik, you got anything else? I got one real quick follow-up back to what Crocky was saying about the salary cap. If we let D4 go and we let Weston Richburg go and I forgot who was the other guy I was thinking of, with those two guys right there, wouldn't that be able to have a little bit more salary cap relief to where we can keep Jimmy, re-sign Trent, hopefully Verrett, and then Juice as well if we let those two high-priced guys go who didn't work out? The, the big thing with D Ford and Weston Richburg is the way their contracts are yeah, built. I forgot. Like yep, yep. D Ford's D Ford, if they if they do the post June first cut, they save fifteen point three million. That is massive. I would almost think the 49ers might do that either way. But if they cut him before June first, it's almost flip flopped. They lose fifteen million in dead money, fourteen point three. So and, you know, and the point of that post-June 1st thing is they're saying, look, you can cut this guy and designate him a post-June 1, but all that money is not showing up until June 2nd. So it does it really save you money in the heart of free agency? No. But, you know, and the Western Richburg one is is very similar because D Ford's the second highest paid player and then Western Richburg is the fourth. Now the Western Richburg one, um, his is a little more serviceable. You save four and a half million, you lose almost seven. And, you know, so it's they could definitely do that either way. No matter what, you can't get lost in the sunk cost. You know, if you need right. that money, cut that player, get your money that you need. But it's it's tough. Yeah, I man. mean, look at the look at the Eagles and I mean and the, and the Rams. 
Say, man, forget that cap hit. Like, this player is gone. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you're still saving money. You're not saving as much as you would have been later down the road. But you, I think a lot of these teams are like, we can't get caught up on that. We need this money for this player. Just let it go. Just let's roll, you know. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe those post-June 1 cuts, I think they push some money off until the next year. So I'm not sure, though. I, I can't. I'm not a salary cap guy, but. All right, Malika, I appreciate you, man. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Of course. Let's jump right into another speaker. Let's jump right into Nathan. Nathan, if you're ready to go, you are on the stage, my friend. I thought he was. Nope, now it went away. No more Nathan. Jorn, what about you, man? You ready to go? Yeah, you're still in the chat. Oh, now Nathan's coming back. Let's get let's hit let's hit up Jorn and then we'll get Nathan just because of the way it, it flops it. So, Jorn, are you in here, man? Yeah, can you guys hear me? We can, brother. Awesome. All right, cool. So, uh, question is, and let me just preface this with, with saying my preferred uh, path for them is to trade up or draft someone at 12. But say Lynch and Shanahan decide to stay conservative like they have been, keep Jimmy, sign a Dalton. What happens if it all goes sideways in 2021? You know, Jimmy gets injured or plays below average. Dalton doesn't come in and do better. Do you think they're on the hot seat at all or – they, they're still safe. What do you think, Croc? I, I think they're still safe, but I, I do think people will start just kind of viewing them differently, right? Even now, we kind of view Kyle to this kind of standard that I don't think he's quite earned. Like, yeah, I mean, like, we watch him and we know he can coach, but the results haven't been that. For, for the re- some reasons that are out of his control. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is, right? Three losing seasons in four years. And we view Kyle as if he's like, you know, he's up there with Sean Payton, who has won a Super Bowl. He and consistently goes to the playoffs. We view him as if he's Andy Reid, who just won, you know, has been to back-to-back Super Bowls and uh, AFC Championship game. Like, we view Kyle to this high standard. But if things go sideways again in 2021 – we have to kind of change the tune on how we view. I mean, we're talking about four losing seasons in five years. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and again, we'll understand why, but at some point, he has, somebody has to take accountability for these losing seasons. So that's kind right. of my uh, perspective. And, and I, I'm kind of the same way. I don't, I don't think anybody's talking about firing anybody. Um, but I do feel like the spotlight, you know, I feel like the spotlight as far as this whole quarterback situation has all, has, as up until now, has included. Jimmy Garoppolo, John Lentz, Kyle Shannon, kind of just everybody involved. Obviously, it's at, it's pretty much at the point where it hasn't worked out, and it's just because of unfortunate injuries. There is still a chance that Jimmy Garoppolo is not even injury prone, and he just had the unluckiest first three years a new quarterback, you know, a new starting quarterback has had. But that's, you know, but if he were to have another year where he got hurt like that, then that is the label. And now all of a sudden the spotlight is it's not really on Jimmy anymore because everybody's like, hey, we knew who he was. And now it's on John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan for sticking with a guy who presented them those question marks and passing on up other opportunities. So I don't think anybody's getting fired. I just think that like, they're like, Hey, you better get your shit together and you better get together quick. Because like Croc said, the proof is in the record and it is what it is at that point. That's what you get for riding with a, you know, a risky quarterback, but. And there is context. Like again, there there right. is context to that. Like, I don't want to just say like, Oh, the three losing season four reason, uh, four seasons. And there's absolutely no reason as to why it is the way it is. Like, we know why their record is the way it is. And we know 
And we all feel like Kyle can coach his butt off. But, like, you know, you have another losing season. It's like, dude, you, this is the path that you've chosen, you know, for whatever reason. And, you know, it kind of – at that point, it it is what it is for losing seasons in five years. Like, it's, it's kind of – and that one year was boom. It was a big boom, right? I mean, you were in the Super Bowl. Uh, but the other seasons, it's just like, damn, like, 49ers were out of it by, you know, week five. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a good uh, that's a good that's a good thing to put in the chat, Malik, is the fact that and I, and I did mention that I think I mentioned that yesterday when I was on the the uh, Candlestick Chronicles, their little locker room debut debut. John Lynch, the 49ers GM, his first three years were in, riddled with injuries, and then all of a sudden, you know, like Malik said, he went eight straight without missing a game. So that that could be what Jimmy Garoppolo is, but then you know there's other things to consider. So Jordan, is that it, man? You good? Uh, one more quick one. I'm not sure if either of you saw Matt Miller's uh, tweets today about you know Shanahan and Lynch Lynch's first round performance the last four or five years, but I'm not sure if you guys have any thoughts on that. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I see that, Croc. Yeah, I saw it. I mean, um, he basically what's your, what's was saying thoughts, that. Man? I, I, saw well, I, I saw it. Yeah, I mean, my my, my thoughts are that. I don't think they've hit or missed any less or more than most other teams. I think that the bigger issue is that the 49ers haven't had the quarterback position kind of really kind of cover that up in, in these type of circumstances. Like teams is it's not a hundred percent. I think ultimately they've done well throughout drafts in comparison to other teams. I think, I think they're probably, you know, just as good with their hits and stuff. I mean, they, they've drafted some all pro players, um, you know, and Fred Warner and, and Kittle, and I get it. They're not first-rounders, but at the end of the day, once you show up in that NFL locker room, where you're drafted, that kind of is irrelevant now. Like, now you're just on the team. Your draft your draft slot, that just – you just make more now because you make more because of your draft slot. But, like, all that stuff is kind of out the window a little bit where you were taken. Once you're on the team, like, you're on the team, and you have to perform. And if it's a third-round – guy that performs better or a fifth-round guy that performs better or all this other production they've got out of guys, even some guys undrafted, like a Breda when he was playing well, like uh, Kendrick Bourne, how he's filled in over the last four years. Like, at the end of the day, when you're on the team, you're on the team. And I think from that standpoint, they've done a good job of acquiring talent. Ideally, you would like to be able to hit when you pick in two and you trade the three and you get Solomon Thomas. You would like to hit with that pick. But at the end of the day, they, they've done well overall with their picks, and I don't think it's been as bad as people make it seem, especially if you kind of look around the league and see how other teams are doing. There might be a team that maybe hit on maybe a couple more players during that time, but I don't think it would be, like, as big of a difference as most people think. For the most part, I feel like that Matt Miller thing kind of just leaves out a whole shit ton of of context that came with all of that. You know what I mean? Like, they're really outside of maybe Mike McGlinchey. Most of those picks, like as far as draft, you know, and, and analysis is concerned, most of those picks were like, hell yeah, I didn't like Solomon Thomas from day one. I mean, I I'm not like running victory laps that it didn't work out because that's not how I am. It's still a, a guy with a career and a family, you know, all that shit. It's, you know, but like everybody was like, holy shit, Reuben Foster's the next Patrick Willis. Now, obviously that went sideways. But when he drafted him at the time, everybody was like, what did the 49ers just do with this first round? Like, no, everybody listen. was like. Did, did you see what Matt Miller said about Solomon Thomas? 
uh, what was what was he told? He was I know that I even had him on my podcast before that draft, and he he said that's what he would have done. Yeah, no, he said he was like the next Aaron Donald. So it was like, right. was like you like Solomon Thomas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like he said he was he was he was like, oh, he's 100% like a top five player in this class. So like you're knocking them for drafting a player who you liked a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I get right. it. At the end of the day, like I look at it, and I've said this before too. You know, they're paid to make these big time decisions and and make it work. You know, I can give my opinion. You can give yours. Matt Miller can give his. But at the end of the day, they pulled the, the trigger on all these different, uh, you know, picks and situations. So they have to live with it. But hindsight is 50-50. And when you look back, I mean, uh, 2020, <laughs> when you look back it on be 50-50, 50-50, I guess. Right. And when you, but when you look back on what Miller says, like Miller, you validated and liked all of those picks. Like you liked them all. You like that's the thing. Like, look at like what should the 49ers have taken somebody else other than Nick Bosa at two? Like, everybody would have been like, "What are you doing?" Like, it, the fact that they got Nick Bosa to begin with was ridiculous. You know, I mean, and Kyler Murray's been pretty good for the Cardinals. There's no, they obviously didn't make the wrong pick, but it's like, like bring put, uh, putting Bosa on that list is like. What else, who else were they going to pick? That was the easiest pick ever, and he played like an absolute maniac. And then he got hurt on a field where a lot of people get hurt, where somebody, where another player tore his ACL on the same field like two snaps earlier. You know, so a lot of this stuff is like, and then he put Ayuk as injured. What, dude, he missed like, I think he missed one game due to like a, a leg injury, and then the rest was like COVID. And other than that, the dude was like electric. Like, like that guy could have had a thousand yard season if he if he played all the games. So it's I just there's a lot missing in those things and it's like this really glass half full or glass half empty like take on every pick when you know in the end it doesn't matter like you say all the time Croc it's like the proof is in the pudding what you know did they work out or didn't they but a lot of that is like it's just a little like like you know like okay like this doesn't I don't know you know what I mean like it's just not the full picture Anybody that's been connected with the organization throughout all these years can look at those picks and with the exception of maybe Mike McGlinchey, Solomon Thomas, can understand exactly why they happened. Sure, they could have kept DeForest Buckner, but then we'd have a we'd be having a whole nother conversation right now about the salary cap because most of it would be gone. They would have almost nothing right now. So it's every everything made sense. Everything made sense to me. And that doesn't mean it's all gonna work out, but it is what it is. So Something in terms of something not making sense to kind of keep us moving here. Croc, tell me why people keep talking about Sam Darnold. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. Um, I don't even know where it's coming from. Uh, well, actually, you just told me that someone had said that the Forty ers should make a move on, on him over drafting somebody like Mac Jones or Trey Lance. But with Sam Darnold, okay, this is my thing, Maya, bro. The Daniel Jeremiah that I hold right, in yeah. such high esteem. I know. So, <laughs> so this 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 is my thing with Sam Darnold. Like, if if you're just looking at it from just a talent perspective, yes, he he's more talented than in you know any quarterback 49ers have on their roster right now. But he hasn't played that way. Like he has played bad. Now you can look at it, you know, and try to throw some context on it and say, hey, well, you know, everything around him has been crappy, crappy. Head coach, old coordinator, whatever, who's calling plays this week? He had mono, probably got to stop kissing girls. Like, whatever the situation was, like, you know, he's been banged up too. And when he's playing, he hasn't played well. I think at some point I was looking 
at some of his stats, just like just pure stats, it was like, man, it was uh, midway through the year when Nick Mullins came in, and in the fourth quarter, Nick Mullins threw for like 200 and some yards. He had thrown for more yards in that fourth quarter against the Seahawks than Sam Donald threw for all year in one game. <laughs> so it was like, you know, I, 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 I like the thoughts. Of, I love the thoughts of Sam Darnold, but he hasn't played well. And we can blame the stuff around him. And, again, and I'll use that as context as well. But he, there, some of it's on him, too. He does some weird stuff. Now he makes some freaky plays, these splash plays where I'm like, damn, only five quarterbacks can probably do that. But then he just doesn't make, like, the layup plays. And I think that's what Kyle would have a hard time with. So I just can't see the 49ers getting rid of Garoppolo for Sam Darnold, who he's not a prospect anymore. Like, we've seen him play in the NFL. He does a lot of weird stuff. With Jimmy, at least you know, for the most part, what you're getting, even with, uh, you know, Jimmy does some weird stuff as well. But he's played well on stretches to overcome that. Sam Darnold has not. So, I mean, he he's done things. I know not this past season, but 2019, I think he, what, won, you know, seven games as a starter or something like that. I mean, so that that's not bad. But ultimately, it just hasn't been very good um, with the Jets. Again, I like the talent, but I just don't really care for a lot of the results that we've seen. And, and maybe for now, it would be a better situation for him. But that's probably more of a gamble than even taking a, a rookie that doesn't no, that's not saying I'm seeing ghosts and all this other stuff he's been saying. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's the point. Like to me, like like what are you selling? Like what you have a locker room that went to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo is the answer. I'm definitely not saying that. But it's like, you, you, however tough of a time you're going to have selling Jimmy Garoppolo is the long term answer. It's going to be way more difficult to sell Sam Darnold as the answer. Like, and I, I was talking to, to Biederman and, and Kyle Manson uh, yesterday in the locker room about this too. It's like, how do you sell that to the locker room? You're like, hey, man, we, we signed Jimmy Garoppolo this contract. We decided it was too expensive. So we're going to go with Sam Darnold over here, who's going to be a little bit cheaper this year. And I hope that's cool with you guys. And I know you would like to go back to the Super Bowl, but we just need to prompt the bricks because we're going to pick up Sam Darnold, and we know we're not going to the Super Bowl with Sam Darnold. Unless one of the things I put on here is like, unless it's just a miracle. Like Sam Darnold has one of the craziest <laughs> turnarounds in quarterback history, and just Kyle Shanahan just activates in some him something in him that we've never seen, and he just starts lighting it up. That's like the only thing that you can sell. Like, hey, well he could be good, and that doesn't really float. So it's like I just don't understand what the the sell is. You know what? Like, it, and then not to mention the fact that you're talking about trading draft capital to get the guy. Maybe it doesn't cost as much as everybody's thinking it is. Most of the people say, like, second-round pick or something. To me, that's way too expensive for a guy who, by all intents and purposes, has just shown that he sucks. And sure, that could be the Jets doing a lot of that, you know, sucking for him. But there's just nothing there. Like, it's just – it's a downgrade, and you have to pay for it. Now, you might save a little bit of money, but that, to me, is – it's never a reason to just get worse. You know, like you don't just voluntarily get worse. And sure, like I said, a miracle may happen and Sam Darnold ends up being incredible under Shanahan. But that's just, that seems like the the odds would be astronomical. So 
Uh, I don't know, man. That just to me doesn't. Crocker, have you been looking at the chat? I haven't had. I haven't got anything in ten minutes. I just want to make sure that. Yeah. Um, no, they, I, you're not getting the chat. No, I mean I haven't. I haven't seen anything in ten minutes. So it, it could just be the locker room app kind of being weird. So if if you're still seeing it, then you make sure you're on it because right. it's not well, really Darryl, like updating for me. Yeah. Well, Daryl Woods, uh, he asked if we saw the article that said the 49ers should give up the 12th pick for Sam Donald. He said that's ridiculous, and I agree. That's kind yeah, of, yeah, it would, that, that's I mean, way too so, rich. But why, why, get, why, 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 he was a third over. He was a third overall pick, and we've seen him play. So right. like, why, why would I give the 12th overall pick up for him? Right. It, it, I mean, we were talking about you know sticking with Jimmy Garoppolo. He gets hurt. I don't think John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan get fired. Trading the 12th overall pick for Sam Darnold, who's been one of the worst statistical quarterbacks in the NFL over the last three years. Trading the 12th overall pick for that guy, yeah, that's how you get fired. Yeah. I mean, that I still don't necessarily think they get fired over it, but you're sure as hell trying to if that's the move you're making. Uh, somebody, bad, somebody, uh, I, uh, a wise man once said, heads got to roll. So <laughs> somebody would get fired. I don't know who it would be, but somebody would get fired for that. Right. And it's just, I just don't see any value in the Sam Darnold thing. You know, maybe if he got cut and the 49ers could sign him as like a decent backup, you know, something like that. And even that just, you know, I, I feel like a team would scoop him up to be their starter before the 49ers had an option to do that. You know, if, if the four now, here's where situ, here's the situation where what we were talking about blends with right now. Let's say the 49ers um, offer a second-round pick and maybe a little bit more for Jimmy Garoppolo. And the offers just want it, or maybe it's more than that, and the offer's just too good for the 49ers to turn down. And the Jets have already agreed to take the 49ers' third-round pick in exchange for Darnold. And now they've, they've saved that money. They've traded Garoppolo. They're, they've gotten draft capital for him. And maybe, you know, and then you're still talking about maybe drafting a quarterback. And maybe you're riding for, with Sam Darnold for just this year. You've got a rookie that you wanted. It's the same scenario we were talking about earlier, but instead of Jimmy Garoppolo being the starter for this year, it's Sam Darnold. But the future is obviously placed on someone else. And you save that money this year, and then you move on from Sam Darnold uh, because it's the end of his contract. Like, I could see that, you know, but that's that's a lot of moving parts, right? Like, for all that shit to work out, that, yeah. that's like the only way where I could see a Sam Darnold thing even making remote sense. And so, I mean, obviously I'm not, I'm not really on board. I'm just trying to find the scenario where it could work, where it could work. You know, I don't know, man. I don't know. So tell me, cause one of the things that, that Mel Kuyper and obviously Mel Kuyper is hilarious. And Hey, Crocker told me, I don't think he did this on the podcast. I think this was off the air. Crocker mentioned to me how Mel Kuyper has no lips. <laughs> so y- y'all got to get on your phones and your computers and Google Mel Kiper because it's true. Not only does he have a ridiculous haircut, but he has no lips. So you got to look, you got to look. And then if you haven't seen it already, you got to see Frank Caliendo's impression of, of Mel Kiper. It's hilarious. So what, but what Kiper said is if fields goes before he gets to the 49ers. And I think in one of Kiper's drafts, he has the 49ers trading up to like seven to get fields. But if they miss on fields, he said Trey Lance is another guy that the 49ers could slide in there and maybe get similar results. Croc, what do you think – if you were, like, comparing the plus and minuses of fields versus Lance, I mean, what do you, what, do you, what are just your thoughts there? What did, How do the two compare to each other? 
But I like I like Fields a lot more. Um, he just feels like a more uh, just natural passer. Now, I, obviously, you know, Lance can throw the ball very well, you know, but he just hasn't been utilized in, in that way. You know, I, I think obviously the 49ers, where, how they play to get how they play football, I think Lance would be just fine. You know, handing the ball off, play action pass, you know, uh, you know, throw downfield. I think he'll add that element to the 49ers. Being able to throw outside the numbers, like I, I like his ability to make far hash throws. Um, you know, he just the anticipation wasn't quite there. And I mean, I guess Fields kind of has some of the same issues. I think Fields is a more explosive runner. Now, he's not, uh, you know, not somebody who you just want to run quarterback powers with all the time. But you, you definitely can do a lot of that with Fields. And he's faster. Remember, I mean, I, I said, I think I said on the last episode how, you know, I was talking to one of his coaches on Twitter and he said, hey, he ran a 438. And I wouldn't believe it if I didn't see it, but he saw it in person, right? So we're talking about that type of explosive athlete. I, I, you know, you, when you see the big arm. They both have big arms from that standpoint. Uh, you know, now you can kind of start nitpicking and say, well, Fields has played against better competition. You know, we saw him on a big stage play against Clemson. But then you also could say, well, what if, what if Trey Lance played for Ohio State? You know, what would that look like? So um, there's projection there with – there's a little bit more projection there with Lance, then there is Fields, and you know even with Fields, there you know there's some things that he needs to improve on with you know just his processing of the game and you know post and pre snap reads and all that type of stuff. But those are things I feel like shoes, man. Kyle Shanahan, you get paid a lot of money to figure that out. So get the talented guy, and I, I do like Fields more, but I don't think Lance is too far down to where I think he he'd do well with the Forty Nineers. Um, I, I think they can develop and they can put an offense around him right now to where he'd be successful just because of he has that type of skill set. Right. Croc, do we have any uh do we have any speaker requests? Cuz I'm I'm probably not seeing those either. Um down there towards know. the middle. I don't know. How to look I don't know how to look for that. Okay. You might be since I started the room, you might not be able to see it. Um let me see if I can make Yeah, okay. I just made you the host. So you might be able to see it now. I don't know if it worked, though, because it kind of seems like my app is kind of like just froze up. Did it tell you I made you the host? No. Okay. So, I mean, if you are putting in a speaker request, this this app is brand new, so it's obviously probably has some, some speed bumps. I can't see them right now. So, I I mean, that's that's kind of that's kind of just where I am. I guess the last thing we can talk when it comes to quarterbacks right now, and it's still draft-related, is – and I mentioned this to Crocker before we started recording is, so, I mean, I would, I would, I would venture to guess just like any other prospect, he has his lovers and he has his haters, which is, which is the same with anybody. There were even people that I saw that didn't like Nick Bosa. So that is what it is. But is, does it seem to you like the NFL draft world is just finally sold on Mac Jones being a good quarterback? <laughs> uh. And we have a question about that in here, too, from um, Jorn. But, uh, yeah, it seems like people have come around on that. Now, it's been weird because, you know, we've kind of seen the whole thing play out. And, you know, we've said a bunch of times on the podcast that, like, when it comes to just doing pure quarterback things, I think he does a lot of it, like, more consistent than anybody else in this class. Like, just his uh, pocket uh, mobility, able to kind of just move and slide around, feel the pressure. Uh, the timing on which he throws, 
you know, all those type of things he does extremely well. And I think, again, better than anybody else in this class. And he is, and I know they say this about white guys a lot, but he is sneaky athletic. Like, he's not super, like, uh, just a statue in the pocket like people think. Like, he's ran for 10-yard first downs and stuff like that. Like, again, he's not that guy. But he has shown the ability to do that, and I think he makes uh, decisions extremely quick. Where he's not as sexy as everybody else in, in the sense of who they have ahead of him is more athletic uh, from that standpoint, right? So, And then their arms are bigger as well. Now, I, I saw Chris Sims say that uh, Mac Jones has a fantastic arms, arm, and I, I, I like Chris, Chris Sims a lot. But I'm kind of calling BS on that one. Mac Jones has a good good arm. He has like more like a Kirk Cousins arm, but he doesn't have like an arm that where he can do some of the freaky things that any of the other guys can do. Like he can't do certain things that Zach Wilson can do from the same type of platforms and flick a ball 60 yards in the air. Like he can't do that. He can't throw bombs. Like he can throw a good deep ball, but he can't throw it the distance of a field where it just drops right in the bucket. Like, you know, those are things like he doesn't have that type of arm. You know, he's not really driving out breaking routes from far halves. Like we've seen from Fields, uh, Lawrence, Zach Wilson, like those guys do those things. Trey Lance, like he, he can't do that. That's not his game. So he does a lot of things well, but I think because, you know, some of those traits aren't as elite, you know, it leaves a lot to kind of be desired when you think of his upside. Like, I think Mac Jones is kind of as good as he's going to be. And, and I say that in the sense of, like, he can come in and play well, and I think he can be an a NFL starter. But I don't know if he takes my team to the next level. And you'd be banking on some type of Tom Brady outcome, you know, if, if, if you want him to lead you to a Super Bowl. He's just going to have to be the most, you know, heady guy out there, like, he just understands his offense, like, the back of his hand played well, and even then, he's still going to have some of his limitations, so, um, I think from that standpoint, I wouldn't draft him high like that, uh, if, if I were, like, already a playoff team, and I'm picking towards the end of the draft, I mean, uh, end of the first round, I would, you know, take him more there if I just need a quarterback, but a team that has an opportunity to draft somebody with a higher ceiling, I'd go that route, because I feel like, you know, I, I can draft... Kyle Trask and you know, day two at some point if I want somebody that has kind of an average ceiling. I just think that maybe, and, and, and it could end up being, like you said, just average. I think that the disadvantages that Mac Jones has when it comes to arm strength, he probably makes up with a little bit with his processing and the fact that, you know, if, if you are reading – whatever you're reading, whether it's your own receivers or the, uh, a single defender or two defenders. And, you know, the quicker you can get that ball out, the less time the DB has to react to it, the more you can put it in a spot where it's supposed to be without having to drive it in there. You know, obviously the ability to drive it in there is invaluable. Like it's, it's not replacing that by any means because, you know, if you have Mac Jones processing plus the ability to drive it in there, you're talking about crazy, crazy good quarterbacks, you know, stuff like that. But I feel like Mac Jones has ways of, of, of kind of masking that in just the way he plays the game. Like he might not have the best deep ball, but he's probably throwing it a little sooner than some of these other quarterbacks are because he's already made his decision and therefore sometimes might not have to throw it as far. That may seem like a little bit of like, you know, kind of like bullshit, like, like I'm trying to like skirt around the point. 
But it is like a real thing. You know, the, the sooner you can get the ball out, the less work you usually have to do with the throw. But, you know, there's so much more that goes into it than that. It's never really that simple. But um, I, I have a couple uh, – responding to a couple of these uh, messages in the group chat, there are people that are saying, like, yeah, like, hey, Kirk Cousins knows how to collect a check or Kirk Cousins on the rookie deal. Like, I take that. And, again, I, I would take that as well. I think my issue with it is you, you're still going to be kind of in the same spot as they are now a few years down the line. Now, again, that, that's fine. That's fine, right? But, you know, like Kirk Cousins, the Redskins struggled to pay him. You know, they franchise tag Kirk Cousins two times in a row and then let him go. You know, like when you have a quarterback like that that maybe doesn't have the highest of ceilings, you'll be looking at him like, damn. Like, you know, yeah, we, 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 we like him. as a, He's a starting quarterback, but he just doesn't take us over the top. And you're going to be looking for that type of guy. Then eventually when you have to pay they're Kirk Cousins, you're not going to w- willingly want to pay them. Now, obviously, like, it's better to have a starting quarterback than not, but I think that's the issue that Washington dealt with. I think that's the issue that even, you know, Vikings are kind of dealing with right now. You know, like having a, talented players, I mean, Cook and uh, uh, Thielen and Jefferson, and, you know, they have some good players there, but then it's like, damn, our quarterback, who actually played well when you look at the numbers, but it does. It, it hasn't resulted in wins, and and I think that's kind of what we could see from Jimmy Garoppolo. Where when you look at numbers because of the OC, it can look good, but if the defense ain't playing a one, it might not result in wins. I think Mac Jones, he's that type of guy as well. When things are great around him, he'll be fine. But if you ever get to a situation where you have to pay him, I think that's when you can kind of run into some trouble because he's not somebody that's probably going to raise the the team. Unless again, some weird. Tom Brady stuff happens, and he just flips the switch, and all of a sudden he's just the greatness of Mac Jones. Right. Well, hey, if you have a speaker request in right now, um, oh, you know what? No, maybe it did. Maybe it did finally catch up to itself. I think I think you might be the host now, Croc. Does it show speaker requests for you now? Because now all of a sudden the, the app is updating for me. I can see the chat. I can because I wanted to. Uh, you know, I, I was for some reason everything was frozen for me. I had no speaker requests. I had no chat. So, um, Crocker's still muted, by the way. I'm not sure if you know that. Um, so, yeah, I'm just. I, I, I got the I got the speaker request. Do we have any? Yeah, we do. So Nathan, let's get him in here. Nathan Bobic, are you ready? All right, mm-hmm. here we go. And um, wait. should be a little. There we go. There we go. Yeah, Nathan, Nathan's been waiting, too. So shout out to Nathan because he tried to talk earlier. It didn't work for some reason. He popped back in. He's been patiently waiting. So, Nathan, this is your moment, my friend. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, doing, my, question is, my question is, do you think um, other teams would have been as patient with Jimmy as we currently are at the moment? Because it seems like in 2019 it was just the perfect scenario. We had the perfect team. I mean, the first half of the year – he wasn't that impressive. He pulled off some games later in the year. But it just seems like every other team around us is kind of making bigger moves to try to to try to get better really quickly, especially the Rams. And is it just like is our is our coaching staff and our front office just too scared to make such a kind of drastic decision knowing that it could kind of, you know, be pushing the reset button? That's a good question. I think a lot of it had to do with, like, the injury as well, right? You know, that that's the context with that situation. Him coming off of a torn ACL, 
and kind of needing time to, you know, play better, you know, uh, as the 2019 season went on. And I think, like, for people like me, the impatient part kind of came when it's like, okay, I'm expecting a, a jump in 2020, right, like a jump in his play. And then, you know, the first game of the season, again, no OTAs or anything like that, but it just didn't look good. And then every other time after that, it just didn't look good, even though, I mean, we can point to the ankle injuries and whatnot, but I think that they were were right to be patient with him, but I, I think they are also right to kind of say, hey, is there a way that we can upgrade? And if we can, we'll do it. If not, we'll stick with him because, hey, maybe he does get better. The way that Crocker just said that's important, and Chris Biederman did a good job of saying this yesterday on uh, Candlestick Chronicles in their locker room, is I think the 49ers have done pretty well of letting things come to them until it, it, it they're almost maximizing the value. Like, they didn't have to trade much for D4. It was the second-round pick. And for what D4 did the year prior, that was not a lot. And obviously they had to re-sign him to a deal. And some of these other trades that they've pulled off, like Jimmy Garoppolo, he fell on their lap. And they're like, you know, they ended up loving him. And I think that they're kind of – they have that same mindset when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, look, we're not completely out on Jimmy Garoppolo. He's had incredibly bad luck two out of these three years, it's hard to blame him for that. So I can see when the human element comes in, they're like, we like this guy. We've seen him be great. We think he can still be great. And we don't want to just bail on him because he got hurt. I can see that side of it. At the same time, you're also, like you said, Nathan, like you're you're kind of passing up on scenarios where you could get better. And the, the way the Matt Stafford thing unfolded, I don't really, I don't blame the 49ers at all for not throwing into that because not even there was reports that the eighth overall pick wasn't even getting it done. So, you know, and I wasn't even really sure the 49ers, I was sure they should offer 12, the 12th overall pick, but plus more than that. I mean, it's tough. I just feel like if the 49ers are going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, we got to go back to what Kyle Shanahan said, and it's gotta be for a clear upgrade in a situation that doesn't harm the team. And I'm not sure that situation's presented itself to them yet. Deshaun Watson's still kind of floating around out there. We'll see. I, I, I Back to your question, though. I think the 49ers have handled the situ- Jimmy situation pretty well. I could see them hanging with him for another year, and I could see why the 49ers would think bailing on him this year may be like one year too soon. So I, I don't necessarily think they've been – uh, too slow to react to what the situation. So if that answers your question, I think they're kind of handling it okay. But, you know, again, that's when hindsight comes in. Are we going to be looking at this a year or two from now and be like, damn, they really had a chance there and they passed it up. You got anything else there, uh, Nathan? Oh, just, I mean, like, do, do you think that other teams would have already made a move? Like if they, if they were in the same situation and had Jimmy, do you think other teams would have just said, no, look, this is enough. We, Kind of like the Rams did. Like, the Rams made the playoffs and have still moved off golf and then went for the upgrade. And I know that there's not necessarily – like, the only real upgrade that we can go for right now is a is a Watson. And, you know, the chances of that happening are, are pretty slim. But do you think other teams would have just – would just cut it right now and say, you know what, we've got a great roster, we've got a really good team, we're just going to actually go for a rookie quarterback because we can probably still potentially win – eight or nine games with a rookie quarterback with the current roster and coaching staff. Like, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, well, the Rams clearly were more aggressive, you know, with how they handled their quarterback situation. 
I know 40, 40 but the Rams, Rams have been, like, to your point, Croc, the Rams have been like more aggressive than everybody. Right. So, I mean, I guess you can kind of point to them in, in the sense of just even with, you know, the whole quarterback situation there, they, they, <laughs> go. They hate golf. <laughs> yeah, they hate golf. And I said, I feel like the 49ers kind of feel a similar way about Garoppolo, but just not as aggressive with, with it, right? They they kind of dance around, like they kind of handle him with kitty gloves, even though they want to like move on. And I think like people can say what they want about Jared Goff, but Jared Goff has played very well, like at moments, like but then he's had his crappy moments, and I think that's the same thing as Jimmy Garoppolo. They are two pretty much two of the same, but the only difference is, I don't think too many people have won more games than Jared Goff over the last few years. Or pass for more yards than Jared Goff. So I think he's even been more accomplished uh, than Garoppolo. And still, they gave his ass to Axe. So, and that might have had something to do with him saying that he would pipe Sean McVay's fiance. But. <laughs> what? I missed something? You didn't see that? That it got out in the group chat? Nope. Didn't oh, see that. Oh, yeah. He was like, yeah, I would pipe Sean McVay's fiance. Yeah, he said that. About his head coach. That's. It's always smart. It's always smart. So, I mean, that could be part of it too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, back to your question, Nathan. I don't know, man. I, I do think there are probably teams in this league that would have bailed on Jimmy Garoppolo already. I do think there are teams that would stick with Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I, I think you'd probably find, uh, uh, depending on how they handle themselves, a little bit of both. And I don't necessarily think either approach is wrong if you're presented with the situation, with the right situation. Um, real quick, uh, Joe Kelly in the comments, and then we'll get to the next speaker, but uh, Joe Kelly in the comments said, can the $20 million, uh this year go towards a Warner extension uh, instead of a Jimmy uh, this year regardless? Wait, that's not the question I was looking at, is it? Oh, no, here it goes right here. Oh, Malik. He said, man, I lived through J.T. O'Sullivan, Cody Pickett, Troy Smith, Drunken Miller, Sean Hill, Timothy, Cody Pickett. And he said Cody Pickett twice, so he's really mad. Um, he said, I'm not ready to give up on Jimmy yet. Give him one more year and see what he got. And it's like, hey, Malik, I agree. Like, I would love to give him one more year. The issue, and we kind of touched on it earlier, is if you wait another year, you're not like you're likely not going to be in position to be able to draft a more talented quarterback like they are at pick 12. Like, at pick 12, they still, like, yeah, you'd have to be a little bit more aggressive to get the guy, but you're in striking distance to get a guy like Justin Fields, where next year – and we all agree with Jimmy Garoppolo, if he plays well, they'll likely be a wild card team. But, you know, you kind of – if he still is kind of what we've seen, which is more average, but, you know, with a good cast, a quarterback and defense and whatever, if he still is that same guy, you're going to want to move on from him. Like, you're going to still have that feeling, but you're not going to be able to because you're going to be out of striking distance unless you want to, like, try to hit, you know, free agency and get a guy like Jameis Winston. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that would probably be the So it's it's just a sticky situation, but I I I'm not totally off of what you said, Malik. I, I and I agree. I think the only reason we are I think the only reason, like I said earlier, that we're talking about this situation so intently is the fact that the 49ers are within range. They can they can pull the trigger on probably a top four quarterback which all seem to be pretty close as far as stock goes, um, if they want to. That's the thing with me, if they want to, if they feel they need to. And 
this might be the last time in a while they get the opportunity to unless they blow things up. And obviously we're having a different conversation. So it kind of just goes all over the place. Could the 49ers stick with Jimmy Garoppolo and it work out? Absolutely. You know, it could. But yeah. it's a matter of the fact that they have the opportunity to get someone with maybe a little more upside right now. Uh, do they want to pass that up? We'll see. And be cheaper on the on the on the on the books. Yep. So we got another uh, speaker request there, Carl. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Thanks, uh, Nathan. All right. Remove him. And speaker request. Here we go. So uh, we got Michael Santana. He's up next. Then we got Lance and then Cody. All right. So here we go, Michael. You are up. Hey guys, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, we can. Awesome, man. Hey, I've been listening to the pod for a while. Just want to say thank you. This is awesome that you guys are doing this. Uh, my oh, thanks for listening, you, bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, my question to you guys is, uh, what's your godfather offer look like for Deshaun Watson for both Rob and Eric? <laughs> Ooh, so you're talking about like like our max, like we're, we're sending yeah. the – we're all yeah, in? Like your, your personal max. Okay, go ahead. You first, Croc. <laughs> Uh, two firsts and two twos. Like, I, I'd give up two firsts, two twos. I still feel like that's a lot, especially, like, right now in the present. But, like, I, I'd give that up. And, obviously, I'd throw in Garoppolo just to, you know, or i cut him. I mean, either way. But two firsts, two twos, that would be kind of more of an ideal uh, trade offer for me, which I'd probably be too willing to do it. And since I'm so willing to do it, they probably would reject it. But <laughs> that's what I would give up. Um, If you're talking about – the most I would be willing to offer, and and if they didn't accept it, I'm moving on. I'm probably going two first-round picks, one of my best players on my roster. You can pick who that is, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, George Kittle, and that's probably it. I mean, if they made me throw in another, like, third, that I mean, is that third going to keep me from doing it? I guess not, so I guess that would be my godfather offer, but – I mean, I've 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 sat here and banged the drum about the fact that if that no players off limits. So if if the Texans make me give up a, a premier player to get Deshaun freaking Watson on my football team, then I'm doing it. And and it's hurting, and I'm not liking it. But I still I'm still feeling like I made the the, the right move. You know, like the, yeah. a top player and two ones. It hurts. It's not cool. I understand that. But you don't get one of the best players in the NFL without paying to play. All right, that's just what it right. is. So that would be my that would be my 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 Godfather offer. And, and again, I'm not like pumped that Nick Bosa or Fred Warner or George Kittle is walking out the door. But when when Deshaun Watson walks in the door, I forget all about that shit. It's, it's gone. <laughs> it's over. Let's yeah. fucking go. You know, it's Deshaun yeah. Watson. That's how I would be. That's how I would be. Let's get let's get let's get the next one here. All right, here we go. Lance, you are on. All right, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, sir. Hey, fellas, man, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, just want to say. Pleasure to have you. Thank you. Uh, just question, uh, if you were able to secure, like, a veteran backup, like a Mr. Trubisky, or, or as comical as it may be, even a Jameis Winston, who's known as Crocky, would say to air that hoe out. If you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. could do that. And then would you be more comfortable with trading Jimmy and then using those picks to try to move up maybe to, like, third or fifth to try to go ahead and get a quarterback? Yes, for me, yeah, absolutely. If you got somebody with starting experience and you're going to end up kind of biting the bullet for a year while your rookie kind of develops or your rookie's ahead of schedule and, and competes for the starting job and wins it, that could always happen. But, yeah, I'd be, I'd be comfortable doing that. What do you think, Croc? You're, uh, you're muted, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, nah, I mean, I think that's – 
I, I kind of alluded to that during the uh, early stages of the offseason where I was like, hey, you know, sign somebody like Fitzpatrick. You have Jimmy Garoppolo. And uh, if on draft day you're able to draft, you know, trade up and grab somebody, you know, that you really like, like a Fields or something like that, then from that standpoint you can trade away uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. So, that you know, that's something I would – uh, that's the that's the hard thing though is 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 in order to make that move, you know you've got to make that other move first, you know. So and there just has to be a lot of things that align in order to feel like you can pull that trigger before the draft. That's why I think if it, at least for my rudimentary thought process, if Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded, it ha- it's after the first round when everybody expects it to happen because the 49ers just drafted a quarterback, you know, or at least it becomes more likely. But you could still roll with Jimmy Garoppolo and, and a rookie. But you know, you got anything? Uh, you got anything else there, uh, Lance? Yeah, like I said, like I yeah, I actually don't. I'm not that like I actually like Trubisky to an extent. I don't think he's as bad as his rap has gotten. I mean, he's gotten his team two out of the four years. He's been there to the playoffs, so be okay as a as a look, probably as a backup or something. At least he's mobile in Shanahan's offense. Uh, the only other thing I had would be, do you think we need to do something else at wide receiver? And then I'm I'm good from there. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when you look at the receiving group right now, it's it's really kind of depleted. I mean, you're, you're leaning on second year IU and Debo who missed most of last season, and then that's it. I mean, unless you want to count Richie James, uh, you know, hopefully they can bring back like a Kendrick Bourne and that add a little bit more stability. And I mean, he's been very consistent. No matter what you think about Kendrick Bourne, he's always like he plays. He doesn't miss games. And he does well, you know, catching the ball for the most part. Again, has that one stinker every year. But, uh, you know, he's there. So I think if if you had Kendrick Bourne, then I wouldn't be as pressed to find another receiver. But right now, I mean, it's looking slim. And then, I mean, you know, there's guys like Juwan Jennings and Jalen Hurd. But we we just don't know. Hurd has missed, you know, the first two years of his career. Jennings, you know, missed time. He had a bad injury that landed him on IR while he was on practice squad. So it's just like Ayuk Samuel and Richie James. And to me, at any point, one of those guys can go down. So that's just not enough. So I definitely would really kind of put a priority on potentially trying to find a legit wide receiver three and somebody that you might really like just in case, hey, maybe a couple years from now, Debo continues to get hurt or whatever. He had injury issues at South Carolina. Maybe we're looking for somebody that, can potentially replace Debo if we don't want to, you know, shove out, you know, big-time money to him. And I like Debo a lot. He's one of my favorite players on the team. But I'm just trying to, you know, think outside the uh, the norm there. I think one of the uh, – uh, somebody in the chat mentioned it. Let me make sure I give you a shout-out here. Um, Malik mentioned it. Uh, somebody else mentioned it too. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, if he becomes a cap casualty in – uh, for uh, New Orleans, that's that's somebody who could slide right in. He already knows what he's doing, you know, and he probably won't cost as much as what New Orleans just paid for him. You know, he's a little on the older side, obviously, but, I mean, he's still balling. I, I don't have a problem with Emmanuel Sanders again. Yeah, now I do expect the 49ers to draft a receiver maybe within the first three rounds. They have some other needs elsewhere, but uh, like Croc said, they're kind of in a precarious spot. Ayuk looks like he's going to be a stud, and he looks like he's going to stay healthy. Debo struggled a little bit, and you don't want to be Ayuk and then a random, so you can't rely on really anybody else. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, one, signed a decently priced free agent or at least somebody that can step in and play, and or and or 
drafted a guy within like the first three or four rounds because they just they've got to get some depth there. We got any uh, we got any any speakers? Nah, we had Cody, but he said that Lance asked his question. Uh, Rob Kroc, you guys make anything of the 49ers being at Northwestern's pro day? I mean, they're going to go to as many pro days as they can. Dude. I mean, obviously, Northwest, Northwestern has a premier offensive lineman. Didn't a corner light it up, too? What? Greg Newsom, listen. You're the um, corner guy. I, don't come at me with that. Little, I know. I'm dude. just saying, listen, uh, a lot of people have kind of, like, thrown his name out there. And um, in the, the All-22 uh, Google Drive that I have, for whatever reason, there just weren't any, like, 2020 – uh, game. So I, I hadn't seen him and I had been waiting and finally, boom, somebody sent me three of his game films. So I watched him and he was extremely impressive. So before, and I'll, I'll, I'll read off a message that I sent to somebody because somebody was like, oh, you finally got around to watching Greg Newsom. And this was my response. Could be CB1 off of film alone. It was like watching Jair Alexander. That was before he ran the 431 or whatever he ran. Really? Yeah. So that was at 630 a.m. Could be CB1 off of film alone. Um, it was like watching Jair, Jair Alexander. Like that was what I. That's what it looked like to me. And wow. then he, he went the and raised. You said what? You think he goes in the first? He should. His issue is he's he's had some injury issues, so yeah. um, he hasn't played a whole lot of games. I think like 17 games. In the games I watched, though, he was really good. Like he was really good, and. Uh, but, yeah, when you talk about 49ers being at Northwestern's Pro Day, uh, you know, they got to see that up close and personal. And he's somebody with good size, 6'1". I mean, he measured in at 6 foot even, 192, 193 pounds. So that's really good size. That's good size for a corner. He has really good fluid movements. He's able to play press. He's able to play off. Um, he has good feet, uh, hips. You know, he challenges himself. I think his ball skills are solid. Like, there was a lot to really like about him. Uh, so. He's someone. He should go first round. I think if he doesn't go first round, it'd be because of like. Are you going to? Uh, are you going to release a new top five with him in it? Oh yeah, but I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait until like right before the draft. Oh okay. All right. When everybody's all eyes are on on draft crocky. Yeah 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 yeah. I see you. Check I out my Patreon. Patreon.com/slash crop talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, shameless plug, man. No, but seriously, obviously, crock. You guys know that nobody grinds like crock does, so you got to respect that. Um, oh, okay, hold on. We got a couple questions here. All right, uh, Anthony Torres. He said, uh, "Croc, basically, you know, are you off of Manny Mosley?" And no, I'm not off of Emmanuel Mosley. All right, I, I think Mosley can play, but are the 49ers off of Mosley? That should be the question that, that's asked at the end of the year. You know, when you kind of look back at those last few games, it was the killer. I know he had, he dealt with some type of injury, but he came back, and you would think like, well, is he healthy? Maybe he doesn't want to play him. But he was playing on special teams, but he was not in the slot where I thought he definitely could fill in for Williams. It was they actually went with Dante Johnson in the in the slot. And then he wasn't on the outside. It was a killer witherspoon. So yeah. when you when you, and then on the other outside it was Jason Verrett. So, you know, again, look at what the coaches and, and the staffs, look at what they're telling you, not what they say. And they might say, Oh yeah, we like him and we think this of him, but he wasn't in there at the end of the season. It was other guys. So I think that – and it was other guys knowing Witherspoon's probably not going to be back or, you know, and they still went with him because they probably – they felt like he gave them the better chance. So that Mosley had a bad year. 
it was sneaky bad though because I think in our heads, Mosley is really good, but he didn't. I mean, he gave up 14 catches week one. Like I mean, like he's had some poor games, and I think they were just like, uh, we don't know. So he's definitely going to be in position to compete for a starting job, but I could definitely see them. You know, and he'll be back. He'll be back as a restricted free agent, but not. I don't think they're as sold on him as a starter. Just if you look at what they've done, not really what they told you. Um, it's an interesting question from Leo. If the money's even, who would you sign, K1 or Mike Hilton? That's that. That would definitely be a a, a crock question. You, you said what? Sorry, can you repeat that? If if the money's the same, if they would get the same contract, would you rather sign K1 or Mike Hilton? Oh, uh, Kawan Williams. I mean, just because, like, there's, there isn't any, like, I have to learn the system or I have to learn my players or anything like that. Like, you know, there might be slight adjustments with, uh, you know, a new defensive coordinator. But, you know, being able to, like, have that camaraderie with your guys, not have to move your family and whatnot, like, you prefer that. So, and, and if I'm, if I'm the 49ers, I would prefer Kawan Williams. I know what we're getting. I, the one thing I would say is, I like him to stay a little healthier because it just seems like he's just kind of always banged up, right? Not saying he always misses games, but he always leaves during games. And maybe it's because of how he plays. He's really tough. Um, and he plays there in the slot. And in the slot, you got to be able to tackle. You got to be physical, all that. But he's banged up a lot, a good amount, I would say, where he's leaving games and he comes back and he leaves again. I think there was one game last year, like towards the end, where he left the same game like three different times. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I think uh, Jorn mentioned earlier if he was wondering if Shanahan accidentally burned a bridge with with Akello. I, I don't necessarily think so. I think every I think the 49ers, for the most part, the way they handed Akello was, you know, he when when he was benched, he was struggling. And could they have rode with him? Yeah, and you know, but but the person that would usually replace that replaced Akello, uh, you know, you typically played better, and that was you know Mosley early on. So it was I don't think they necessarily burned the Akello bridge and Akello's getting in there and making plays and and he's seen at no point has he just seemed generally kind of pissed off. You know, I don't know though. It's that's tough to say. I don't necessarily think they burned a bridge. I think he would love to come back if that happens. But um you know, it's it just depends on you never know how a player feels and and how did he take it personally? Every every player reacts to those situations differently. Some guys get benched and it ignites, ignites a fire in them that they've never had, and they become better and they and they and they get their job back and they take it personally in that way. You know, Michael Jordan and I took that personally, but <laughs> it, it it could also demoralize them. That's kind of what happened with Dante Pettis. Like Shanahan had some tough words for that guy, and it was time for either Dante Pettis to rise up and do what he needed to do to gain favor in Shanahan's eyes or kind of fall apart. And it seems like he kind of fell apart and, and it's obviously not that simple, but you know. Right. And I do think it was more of, of Akello just kind of, you know, from what what I hear. And again, I never try to come off as somebody that has sources, but I have heard from people close to Witherspoon in that situation that it's more Kyle Shanahan that just doesn't like him than it was Robert Sala. Like it sounded like Robert Sala really liked him and uh, like the whole benching against the Dolphins or him not playing, uh, that was Shanahan's decision. That's what I've been told. I don't know. Again, well, how- I mean, when the head coach looks over and says, get that motherfucker out of there, like he's the head coach, you know, and yeah, it, it is what it is. But that situation, it's not hard to believe. 
you know, it, it's not hard to believe. So I, and I don't know. I, you know, Malik said, uh, so Spoon signing with the Jets. Obviously, uh-huh. like, you know, uh, Robert Sutherland probably will have say, but Joe Douglas runs that squad. So I, I'm pretty sure, you know, Sala would be like, hey, that was probably in his plans. Like, let's get Spoon over here on like a two or three year deal with like low guarantees. And, you know, we know he can, you know, play. You know, I, I could see him going there, but I don't think it's a guarantee because cornerbacks are needed around the league. And there are going to be teams that will see somebody like Keller Willis Williams say, hey, he was up and down, but he had some highs. You know, I have some other lows. He's somebody that can be a solid starter for us. And there will be a team that will pay him. So um, I'm pretty sure the Jets will probably have the first crack at it. But I'm not, you know, certain that that's exactly where he's going to sign. Right, right. Well, I mean, this is going to be the hard part about locker room. Because I feel like we could sit here and talk football with you guys for hours. Like, I literally feel like you guys, we could sit here and, and, and talk football for hours. But we're at an hour and 20 minutes right now, and we're kind of under a loose directive that we should try to keep things around 45 minutes. But y'all know we never do that, you know. So that's kind of just our thing. But one thing, you know, hey, I think that Crocker and I are pretty committed to this locker room thing, and I think we love the vibes of having you guys in here. And, and and I think that it's going to be a consistent thing with striking gold. I mean, I don't see it. I said this last week. I don't see any reason not to record every episode on here. The fact that you guys are in here chilling with us and asking questions and chiming in and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's fucking cool. Like I love it. <laughs> it's fucking cool. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it just adds a whole new positive vibe to the, to the situation. So I mean, I'm saying this because I don't want to, I, I hate seeing questions in the chat and kind of just like moving on because if it were up to me, uh, I would answer every question. But at some point, we got to we gotta call it. So let's call it. And Crocker and I are going to be back in there on Thursday. Crocker, you, you want to plan for 7 again? Yes, sir. Okay. So we'll be back on here at Thursday at 7. And I expect every single motherfucker that's in the chat right now, I expect you back here <laughs> on Thursday. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's it's – Keep coming back, guys. We appreciate you. Obviously, everybody's got life and things come up. We're not going to be, like, keeping taking roll or something like that. I do that for my day job. But I, I do appreciate you guys being in here. It means a lot, and it's very cool to talk football with you guys. Um, Crocker, any last words? Ah, man. That, that's, that's it. That's good. Appreciate y'all for uh, coming in. Y'all, y'all make this go by fast, too. Like, that was fun. That was fun. It is fun. It is fun, and I appreciate it. Just having back and uh, forth, because I always tell people, like, I, I don't know everything. I, I give my opinions and stuff like that, and, you know, like, yeah, but it's fun seeing your guys' opinions and being able to talk and debate in, like, a non-aggressive way, because, you know, Twitter gets all, like, hella aggressive and stuff. So in a non-aggressive <laughs> way do. where, you know, we can all just talk, and even if you guys disagree, like, I saw you guys kind of disagree in a respectful way, so I appreciate that, man, and we'll we'll keep the back and forth going. Yep. Yep, I love it. All right. Um, hey, I mean, if you're listening on the pod, you already know what it is. You already know what it is. It's time for us to get out of here again. We will be back here. This episode should be published for everybody else on Wednesday morning. We will be back here again on Thursday evening recording. If you don't have the locker room app, get the locker room app so you can be – we're not getting paid to say that. We just want it because it's cool as hell. And we want you up in here. So get the locker room app. Jump up in this pod. Uh, be a part of the whole striking gold uh, movement we got here. And uh, and I appreciate you guys for listening. I appreciate you guys for being in the locker room app. But for another 
episode. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing out. And our whole out. 2021, peace! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.